Welcome to Redemption Church. You're listening to our weekly podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank God we are here. Thank God you're here. I was talking this morning with Matt and Ethan over here and talking about when I met Byron actually for the first time. It was, it was in Houston, uh, over in Rice Village, when he was helping to plant a church called Village Houston over there. He was on the launch team, and I remember uh, they had had, you know, church plants sometimes start in uh, precarious places, and so this church plant um, had their first services in a smoothie shop. I'm sure he's talked to you about the smoothie shop, maybe, but they were meeting in a smoothie shop, so like while we were having this service, the blender's going in the back. Like actually people would walk through the through the service to get, like they really wanted to have a smoothie because I don't know if I would walk through a church service to get to a smoothie. But um, And I remember meeting Byron outside afterwards and just thinking, man, this guy is exactly what this church plant needs. And it's so exciting to see today where you guys are at because of he and, and Ashley's just uh, obedience and your obedience to be here and be a part of them. So uh, it is a privilege and an honor to be here. Um, as he said, I, I work uh, through our U.S. missions. Uh, my uh, title or whatever you want to call it, I, I'm a church planning facilitator is kind of my focus. So um, we, we spent, um, before we came back here to, to Texas, we spent um, 10 years overseas in ministry, a couple years in Honduras, uh, several years uh, in the Netherlands, and then a couple years in Spain before we came back. So we had at least one team to root for in the World Cup. Is anybody following World Cup? Uh, it's, they're playing probably right now. Don't check your phone or you'll find out. Don't spoil it. Don't tell me afterwards who won. I'm going to go home and watch that. But uh, after we spent time there, God called us back here to Texas about six years ago. And uh, so over these past six, seven years, I have consulted, coached, counseled, trained at least 80 different individuals who are involved in church planting or revitalization or multiplication uh, of churches. And so that's been an, an honor and a privilege. And these are folks who want to plant, revitalize, and, and, and help plant other churches. Um, and I don't want anyone to go through that process alone because it is a hard process to start something from nothing and you guys have seen it happen firsthand here and you guys are the fruit uh, of some folks walking that road but but our heart is to walk with them and and help them and I'm happy this morning to have my my wife Christy's here with me and my daughter Katya uh, we have four kids but Katya always said I want to know what it feels like to be an only child so we only brought her this morning you know, so you can just give her a high five and say, go for it, only, only child. Uh, but um, but uh, it, it's, it's great, great to be here. Um, so you might say, well, why do we plant churches? You know, aren't there enough churches already? I mean, think about it. How many churches did you drive by to get here this morning? You know, I, I, I drove by a few. Um, but I want you to think about this. Because I was thinking about it, because that's a question I get, because I'm, I'm, I'm all for church planters, and I'm working with church planters, and people say, why do we need to plant? And, you know, I, I began to think about whenever, you know, you, have you ever seen an intersection where you pull up and there's like three or four gas stations on the same intersection? And you're like, why are there so many gas stations right here? 
Well, see, those people who own those gas stations realizes that every car going down the road needs gasoline. So they're not worried about how many gas stations exist. They're thinking about how many cars are there that need gasoline. And it's the same way in the kingdom of God. We don't plant churches based on how many churches exist. We plant churches based on how many people need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that is how we think about it and how we approach it. And we, we realize that people still need Jesus today. And I believe this, that one church, one type of church can't reach everyone. Because see, we're unique individuals. We have different personalities. Just like people have personalities, churches have personalities. And different personality churches reach different personality people. And, and so you're not called to compete with the other churches. We're not in competition with other churches here. God has called you to be Redemption Church and be who you are to reach the people that God's called you to reach. And you're going to be unique. You're going to be your own thing. But this is kingdom business. This isn't competition business. The only competition we have is with the enemy. That's who we're fighting against. And so, so we can see all the churches be blessed. So one church can't reach everyone. Another reason is I believe we plant new churches because new generations have new needs. Do you realize that? That, that each new generation, they begin to experience things differently. They think about things differently. I'll give you an example. My kids talk different than my parents did. Think about that. If you have kids, or think about, do you even talk different than your parents did? For example, to my parents, if you say the word goat, you're talking about a small farm animal. Or, or maybe if you say an old goat, you're, you're saying you know, somebody who's cranky. But my kids, when they say goat, they're talking the greatest of all time. I had to learn. But that's an example of how different generations, we communicate differently, we think different. The culture is constantly changing and developing. Now when I was young, we would call someone who would come like and get some of your food, all the time. We called them a mooch. You know what I mean? They're, they're mooching. Well, my kids explained to me that at their school, they call these people roaches. When the food comes out, they come out. So you learn something new every day. The culture around us is constantly changing and developing, and we have to stay relevant. And by planting new churches, we can stay relevant to these new cultures. And I thank God for, for people who are willing the generations that have gone before us who are willing to invest in the younger generation and, and make this happen and believe in these new churches and new generations and, and to pass that on. So a new, a new church plant can shift to these new cultural changes more easily. Another reason we plant new churches is population growth. I live in the greater Houston area. They say that over a thousand people per month are moving into the Houston area. So that's like, I guess they consider a, a church of a thousand a mega church. That's like a mega church is moving to the Houston area every month. We have to plant churches just to keep up with that. Maybe it's a neighborhood or an area of town where you live that's growing, an area of, of the community that's growing. Or maybe there's a certain subgroup or subculture that's growing. 
Um, I have a friend, actually he lives here in Beaumont, a guy named Enrique Cabrera. And Enrique is helping to start churches that meet the Spanish-speaking people who are moving into uh, different areas. So these are reasons that we plant churches. There's another reason that God recently spoke to me about. I was, I'm part of a, a, a network. It's called the Assemblies of God. Um, and, and the Assemblies of God, we, we have like 13,000 churches a, a, across the U.S. But, but here in South Texas, we have about 300 churches. And, and we have uh, kind of a yearly meeting and some services where we get together, encourage one another, do business and, and all of that. And, and we were having uh, a service, and it was our mission service, where we were celebrating the missionaries that we are sending out together all across the world. And so it was a very cool service, very emotional. We were watching this graphic and they were showing where all the people are around the world. And it was really cool. And I'm sitting in this service and God begins to speak to me about another reason why to plant healthy churches. Because if we can have healthy churches, healthy churches can connect and be a part of this sending effort, that we can send missionaries around the world. And, and, and that, that made me excited. You, you see, together we can do more. As a missionary, it's very difficult for one church to send me. When we went to the Netherlands, one church could not have sent us to the Netherlands. It was a network of individuals and churches who, who joined together to send us uh, to, to do that ministry. And, and so that's another reason why we need to plant healthy churches is it can help us to extend our sending capacity. But finally, my big reason, this is my big reason why I, I believe we, we plant churches is because God keeps calling people to do it. You realize God spoke to Byron and Ashley and, and they made sacrifices and they, they made shifts in their life and, 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 and they came and but it was not because anyone talked them into it, said, there's this great place you can go and it's going to be awesome. Church planning is going to be so much fun and, and it's going to be, you're going to make a lot of money. I don't think any of that was said to Byron and Ashley. They, they had a calling and they, they said, we're, we're called to do this and we're willing to sacrifice and lay down our lives so that we can see a new church birth in Beaumont. I, I remember Byron told me, he said, you know, he said, I feel called to go back to where I used to run around and mess around and get in trouble and minister to the kids that are doing the same thing that I used to do. And that was part of that motivation. And so if God keeps calling men and women to go plant churches, I believe we ought to support them. And that's a, another reason why we keep planting is because God calls folks to plant and we need to be faithful and obedient to his calling. And I thank God that Byron and Ashley responded to that call because that's why we're here today. And I, I want to say thank you to Redemption personally because you guys are a part of our ministry. You guys, whether you know it or not, have been investing out of your missions giving. You guys have been investing in our ministry. And that is a blessing. And so you guys are a part of right now. You're helping other church planners even though you guys are a newly planted church yourself, you're helping others. And so I just want to thank you for that. And I believe that you're paying forward what God invested in you guys. You're paying it forward. And, and, and there's much more to come. But we'll, we'll talk about that. Well, I, I want you to this morning, I don't know if you still carry paper Bibles or if you have 
uh, a phone that might have a, a Bible app on it, but we're going to look at uh, some Scripture out of Ephesians 4 this morning real quick. Now, I understand you guys were doing two services and you're back down to one. So Matt, it was Matt, Matt said, just take your time, man. We're, we used to do two services. This, you got time. So I'm not going to be long-winded, I promise. But uh, I'm excited that we can share and look in the Word today. We're going to look in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read uh, beginning at, at verse 1. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord then... And, and Paul wrote this. He said, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Verse 4 says, There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Jump down to verse 11 with me. It says, So Christ gave Himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for Your Word. I pray, Lord, these next few moments as we look at this and study it, that You'll speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, it needs to be You speaking, not me. So I pray that You'll open our hearts and minds to You. Amen. So as I read this, this Scripture, as I read this passage, there were kind of two, two phrases that kind of sum it up uh, what I want to talk about today. Uh, number one, it's Paul was telling them, stay together, stay unified, stay together. And the other party was telling them, grow up, mature. So we're going to look at those two things in the next few moments here. In verse, verse uh, 3, he said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. You notice in talking about the unity of the Spirit, that's stay together, right? Unity of the Spirit. He, he said, make every effort. If he was telling them to make an effort, that means that it wasn't going to be easy sometimes. It was going to be some work. You know, it's work sometimes to stay together, to stay unified, to, to, to stay uh, in one heart and one mind. You know, verse 2, he, he talked about, he said, be humble, gentle, patient. You need a lot of patience to, to, to stay together. I mean, I don't know how it is in your family. I want my family to be unified. But it takes patience. I love them, but we live together all the time. And ain't nobody can get on your nerves like, you know, somebody that you're close to, right? I, I drive my kids nuts. They will tell you, I, Dad, you're driving me nuts. It was great. My, my daughter said a great line to me just yesterday, I think. She said, 
I need you to be my dad right now, not the banker. And I'm like, that is a wise word. That's good. I'm going to take that. And I need to. But then sometimes I'll say, wait, I, I need to be the banker now. You know, let me be the banker for a moment. Uh, but it requires patience. It requires love. It requires forgiveness. And what does he say? Bearing with one another. Bearing. That's a burden. That means you're it can be it can be a burden to bear sometimes to to maintain that unity. Um, it requires humility. Pride can kill your unity. What is pride? Pride is saying me first, what I want, my preferences, my rights, my pre I've been here longer than you. My what I want that can kill your unity. It requires humility and saying, okay, what are the needs of others? What are the needs of everyone? How can we serve our community? How can we stay unified as a church and, and, and move together? It requires peace. He said, through the bond of peace. It means being a peacemaker. Don't think a peacemaker is weak. I think it takes a lot more strength sometimes to make peace than to fight. It's hard sometimes to be the peacemaker. But we, we need people who will actively say, we're going to stay unified. We're going to make peace. We're going to maintain peace. We're going to speak the truth in love. Have you ever heard that? Speak the truth. You know, sometimes people want to speak truth in no love, right? That's harsh. And sometimes people want to speak love and there's no truth. They just Whatever goes, just, we love you. But we need to walk in a balance of truth and love. And that can help us maintain unity. And sometimes to keep unity means we have to speak to an unhealthy situation and deal with some uncomfortable stuff. But we do, we speak the truth. We speak the truth in love. So if we have the right mix of truth and love, we can maintain unity. And sometimes we're going to have to just bear something that we can see. This ain't right. But we're going to have to bear it until the time they're ready to listen. You ever, you ever see something going on in somebody's life, but they're not ready to hear it? They're not ready to... Have you ever... I've been there. where I wasn't ready to hear the truth. You know? Sometimes my wife, she will point the truth out to me. And in that moment, I am not ready to hear the truth. I need to go and I need to let it let it ride a little. And I have to and then I come back and I say, you were right. Or sometimes I don't come back and say you're right. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, you were right. That's speaking truth. But that's what it takes to maintain unity. And that's us working together and bearing with one another and loving one another and keeping peace and saying we're going to move forward and we're going to keep things healthy and move forward together. Unity doesn't mean we'll all agree on everything. But it means that we'll walk together and bear one another. Remember, we're talking about unity of the Spirit. Unity of the Spirit means that the Holy Spirit's got to help us. And, I can, and I, that means I can see something differently than my brother, and yet we can still love one another and work together even if we don't see things Exactly the same. 
we can keep the unity of the Spirit. And that's because we're focusing on Jesus and what He's doing. And that helps us to move forward. In verse 4, Paul says there's one body. That's an important analogy that Paul uses repeatedly. If you read the New Testament, he uses it more than once. And, and he talks about the church being a body. One body that we work together. See, God created the church as a body. And that means that a body is unified. A body is connected and works together. And, and for my body to work, it has to function together. For me to walk means that my legs are working together. In fact, it's more than my legs. It's my feet, legs, my, the, the rest of my body to stay in balance. It means it's all working together. If I'm going to snap my fingers, my, 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 my thumb and my, my finger have to work together. Even when I'm doing nothing, you realize my body's working together. I'm breathing. My heart's pumping. This is all a metaphor of what we as the church are to be. We're to be a body that works together, that takes care of one another, that looks after one another. What do you do when you kick your toe? Oh, my toe. You're, you're, you're protecting what, what's hurt. If something's going wrong, you, you want to help that part of the body. It's important that we as a body, that we work together, that we're unified, that we stay connected, You know, when, when something in the Bible was important, a lot of times the writer would repeat it. That was their way of showing you how important it is. Now, let me see if right here you can connect on what Paul is trying to make a point at. He says, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Did you catch it? It's one. He's talking about, he's saying unity, and he's like beating the dead horse. He's saying unity, 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 one, one, one. Stay together. Church, that's so important. The enemy wants to divide us. If you want to see all the work you've been doing go down the, go down the drain, it's when you get divided and, you're, and you attack each other and you eat each other. That's, that's what the enemy's trying to do. But God wants us to remain one and work together. And to be one heart, one body. For, for redemption to keep doing what God has called you to do, you need to stay unified. This church, I believe, has a unique calling. I believe you are called to reach some folks that otherwise are, are not connected to church. And, and, and God is helping you to connect and reconnect some folks to the kingdom of God. Don't let the enemy divide you. So remember, stay together. You're better together. You're strong together. Stay together. That's the first point. And, and Paul will hit that again, but let's keep going. Let's move on. Let's jump down to verse 11. In verse 11, Paul begins to talk about, uh, he talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And you might be saying, what is all of that? Like you might have heard of a pastor or a teacher, right? Those are ones that we connect with or maybe evangelists, but, you know, prophet, apostle, that's a little spooky. What's that stuff? But 
Let, let, me, let me help help you with this. What Paul's saying is he's placed the leadership in the church, and, and there's a purpose why he's given these gifts to us, why he's given us people who are prophetic. What does that mean, prophetic? That means that someone who encourages and exhorts. It's someone who sees something that's wrong and do you know that person who's just black or white? Like, like they, they, they're not going to... There's no gray. There's no finesse. They're, they're just... Say it how it is. That's how a, a prophetic person is wired. That they're going to just... Truth. Boom. It's a lot, sometimes it seems a lot more truth than love, right? But God's placed those folks. He's placed pastors and teachers. Apostles. Those are people who are sending out ministries and sending out ministries. God's placed those people around us for what? It said He had the apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers to equip His people for works of service. Now, have you ever seen someone who's like in the church who's like really talented? You know, like I have a friend. His name was John when we lived in the Netherlands. And John is what I would consider an evangelist because John... Anywhere we went, John could talk to people, number one. Could just, it didn't matter what they were doing. We'd be on the train in the Netherlands, and, and he's striking up conversation. And he always seemed some way to weave into that conversation something about his faith, something about Jesus, something about God's love. He would, he would find a way to get these folks talking about eternal things. He was a, just a born of... And I was a little jealous, you know? I, I'm like all... Awkward and and it's it's hard for me to like you know but he could just anybody just like you put John in a room with anyone and he's 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 doing it or I have a pastor friend and this guy is a he's like a wonderful critical thinker and I've been in meetings with him and this guy you know uh, I'll be in the meeting and and you know you kind of want to like we're having this conversation and discussion and you want to add something like. You know, that sounds kind of intelligent. You don't want to just sit there. So, you know, you say something or make a suggestion or whatever, and, you know, you want to participate. Well, he would kind of sit there and listen, and then he would ask like one question, and it would turn the whole conversation on its head, and it would put us in the right direction where we needed to go. This guy was just gifted, just talented. He was a good pastor, and he could critically think and see things and, and help us through it. And, you know, I was kind of like, wow, why can't I be like that? Definite leader. Or, or what about someone like who can just lead worship? They like, you know, they get up here and they can just, you know, no chord charts, no work. They just go and they just flow. You know, for me, it's like I got to have my chord charts and I've practiced and if the wind blows the papers off I'm I'm toast you know that's it that or or if they say you know if the pastor says oh can you sing this song and it's like no I don't know that song but there's some people who can just flow in that they're gifted well what God's saying what Paul's saying here is all of those people God has put them in the church to equip us to equip you and me for us to be a part of what God's doing. 
He said to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's not just them who do everything. It's so that the body may be built up. God has put these talented people around us to help build us up. To help prepare and equip us. See, the church is a work in progress. There's no perfect church. You might have walked through the doors today with some expectations for church. Maybe you've been in a church that hurt you or you know, Christians or pastors or somebody, and you're like, ah, that church is awful. And you want to just tell people how awful that was. Maybe you've had that experience. And, and you come here and you're hoping for better. Well, I'm hoping for better too. But, but I just want to set your expectations properly. There is no perfect church. Because the church is people. And there's not perfect people. We're a mess. But we're a mess together, Right? And so we're working together to get better. And so God has placed people like Byron in our life to speak truth, to help us to improve, to grow. He's placed other people here to teach and prepare you and grow you so that you can do the works of service, so that you can go and do what God has called us to do. Equip is a key word. In verse 12, it says to equip his people. And I was thinking about this word equip. And, and I think maybe a good example of equipping. Uh, my, my uncle was a firefighter. Um, and and so, so my uncle, uh, you know, he received training to, to, to be a firefighter. And, and they taught him about how fires act and react. They, they, they taught him about how you work with a fire. Uh, they coached him on how to work together as a team because he didn't fight a fire alone. It was a team of firefighters working together. Um, they, they also uh, gave him equipment. Equipping is also giving equipment. So he was given equipment to go and fight a fire. So he had, on, he had boots and, and he would wear a jacket and a helmet. And, and they would give him... Uh, they had, Trucks that would pump water and that had all the tools and they could go and fight a fire. He had oxygen mask and, and axes. So he was equipped as a firefighter. And, and I believe that we are equipped as His people for works of service. Just like the firefighters equipped, God is equipping us to go and fight the fires of this world that are raging in people's lives. See, preachers and teachers, they can train us. So we, we come here and we, we hear the Word of God and we grow in that. Prophets will exhort and encourage us. Apostles will send us out to do ministry. Evangelists will inspire us to reach others. And we have the Word of God as our tool to go and, and, and fight the, the fires. And we have something called spiritual armor that we put on to go into the fire. You don't want to go and fight a fire without the proper equipment. You don't want to go into this world and do the work of God without the proper equipment. And, and prayer, that's that oxygen mass. Prayer is your oxygen as a believer as you go out 
to do what God has called you to do. To do these works of service. So God uses the leadership and the gifted people in the church to train and equip you and to give you the tools to do what you need to do. You see, you are what God is looking for to accomplish the mission of Redemption Church. It's not just Byron and Ashley and the, the deacons and those who maybe have a title, uh, a responsibility of some ministry here. It's, it's everyone. You see, God uses normal people. And I believe that God has placed you here in this church to be a part of something special He's doing here. And He wants to use each and every one of us. But it's up to you and me to be teachable. It's up to you and me to be willing to be changed. When we're sitting, it, we, we've got to listen to it and take it and put it into practice. And so we can all go do the works of service that He's called us to do. You see, this community needs this church. This community needs you to walk out what God's been showing you. This community needs you to walk out what God's been doing in your life. Your friends, your family, your co-workers, they need you to take the truth that's been placed in your life and to pass it on. The end results of all this, what did he say in verse, verse 13? Or verse 12. back on all right thank you guys hey Bo's on it man give him a hand Woo! thank you Bo sorry about that glasses and these things don't always work but you know what my fear about these is is keeping it on and going to the bathroom and the whole church is listening to that's my fear so just confessing here <laughs> Back to, the, back to what God was speaking. Okay. Um, in verse 12, it says, to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, unity of faith, stay together, mature. That's grow up. I believe that God wants us to grow up. In verse 14, he says he doesn't want us to remain infants. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. You know, he doesn't want us to remain infants. God wants us to grow up and to be able, as, as followers of Christ, to be able to, to, to hear something and know, okay, that's truth. 
No, no, that's something trying to lead me away. No, no, that's nonsense. I don't need to follow. I need to remain. Because there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise out there that can distract you from what you're called to do. And God wants us to mature so you can discern. This is good or this is not good. You know, sometimes you can, you can lead a kid astray, right? You can trick a kid. I, I, I love messing with my kids. I'll tell them, I'll tell them stories. And, and uh, one of my daughters is a little more gullible than the others. And I'll say stuff and she'll say, really? And I'm like, no, not at all. I'm making that totally up. I just mess with her. But God wants us to be able to, to grow up. Now, you know, I loved when my kids were small. We had four kids, so we went through, you know, holding them and corralling them and all of that. They were two years apart, so it was, it was, it was wild there for a few years. But, but I was happy when they learned to feed themselves. You know what I mean? I, 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 was, I was happy uh, when they no longer needed diapers. Can any of the parents here say amen? You know? Whoo! And, and I was really happy when they learned to swim because then I wasn't like at the pool all the time freaking out where the, you know, I could, I could enjoy the pool again. So while I love my kids being babies, the natural thing was for them to grow up and to mature. And it's the same thing in Christ that, that we are to grow and mature. That, that Christ wants us to grow up and to be able to fend for ourselves. Not that we do it alone, but that we can we can, we won't be tossed and thrown around. And, and, and we'll be able to understand what's truth and what's going on. He wants us to become a mature body. In, in verse 15, he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. So He, he wants us to not grow just we grow personally, but He also wants us to grow into this body. Because like we said before, the church is a body. And you're not alone. You're part of the body. Now, now I'll say this. Faith is a personal decision. I have to decide to follow Christ. And if you have not decided to follow Christ as a personal decision, you need to make that decision. You need to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to make you the Lord, the boss, the leader of my life, and I'm going to follow your direction. That is a personal decision that each of us is required to make. But we are not called to live our faith out individually only. We're called to live our faith out in community. That's why God has placed churches here. It's a gathering of people who have said, I'm going to follow Christ, and we walk together through that. It is expressed in community. The body is joined together. In verse 16 here, he says, from Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. You see, we're here to support one another. I think about the ligaments and the muscles and they all work together. The ligaments are what's holding it together. You know, there's some people in church that just, they kind of help hold us together. There, that you, you have some people in your body here who are they're the glue. They, 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 they're, they're connecting people. They're, they're holding you together. We're, we're called to help one another. And I love these last words. He says, as each one does its part. 
We all have a part. I don't care how new you are in this faith walk or how long you've been doing it. You have a part. I don't know if you're tired and worn out. You said, I don't want to do anymore. God has a part for you to be a part of this church. There is a part that each of us play. We all are together in this. We all have a part. And if you're not doing your part, something is missing. Something is missing if you don't, if you don't show up and do your part. Now, I'm not saying that you can't take a week and go on vacation. Thank God for vacation. But for this body to function in a healthy manner, they need you doing your part. Each one has a part. What is your part? Maybe you need to say, God, show me. What's my part? How do I help? We each need to be doing our part. See, I believe that God has plans for redemption. I believe, I've said it before, that you guys have a unique calling of what you're to do in this community. And I'm so excited to see what's growing. Uh, you know, Byron, your pastor, he, he shared with me, Byron shared, he said, Kendall, I believe we're in the phase where we're going from being a church plant that we're going to grow up, step up, we're going to mature, and we're going to become a church planting church. Now that's huge. And that's exciting. And that's going to require everybody doing their part. That, that, that's going to require sacrifice and investment. But, but it's a change of mindset too. Where you say, we're not just the new. We're ready to, to begin to birth new ministry. We're maturing. We're growing. And, I, I, and, and if you've been here for any time, I'm sure you've already seen that process in place. Maybe you've seen it personally in your life, but it's also happening on a church level as a body. I was so excited. He came to me a while back and, and he said, you know, Kendall, I, I feel like I need some more leadership help and this and that. And, and God showed him. And he said, but God showed me that we have in our church and he said, we had these people that deacons that they stepped up and they and 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 he said, it's gone to a new level. That's part of that maturing process. That's part of that growing process. And and for you to do what God's called you to do as a church, it's going to require you mature, but it's also stay together and you're going to grow up. It's going to take unity. It's going to take maturity. It's going to take sacrifice and unselfishness. When you move to a new building, there's going to be some things you like, but there's going to be some things you don't like. You're going to say, I like the way that looked better over there. The bathrooms were so much cooler at the gig. You're going to say, you know, how the lighting was, the, the acoustic, the sound system, the, the sound guy was so much more awesome over there than what, whatever it is. Okay? But it's going to require maturity to say, look, we're in this together. This is my church. I'm part of this church. So whatever we are, whatever we were there, whatever we're going to be in this new place, I'm in. I'm part of it. I'm going to stay unified. I'm going to stay part of this. And I'm going to work together to help make it better and make it work and make it grow. I want to encourage you because there's going to be, it, there will be frustration. There will be growing pains. And a new, it, it, there's, Moving from one place to the you're going to have to say, where did those people go who used to come? You might, you might lose a few along the way, but God's going to send you more. Okay, It's going to require 
sacrifice, unselfishness. But I believe in you. Pastor Byron believes in you. So my question is, will you do your part? Will you become a church that plants churches? Are you willing to take that step? I'd, I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me. Bo, if you want to get your team ready, uh, you can. And I, I want to just spend a moment here before we move on to the, the communion time. And my first question is to you who are consider yourself part of Redemption Church, that this is your church. I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to do your part? Are you willing to say, doesn't matter what comes, I'm, I'm going to be a part of this. I believe in this vision. I believe in this church. I'm a part of this church and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to invest time, finances, energy, and just a good attitude. Redemption Church meets every Sunday morning on Crockett Street at the gig. If you would like to know more, you can find us online at www.redemptiontx.com or join us for one of our two services at 930 or 11.15 a.m. Sunday mornings in downtown Beaumont. Kids are welcome too. We are Redemption, and we would love to meet you.